Hello, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Banter, the podcast aimed at bringing you your dose of murder relaxation. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. saying right now i'm saying what's up big head oh to myself because i think my head looks really big right now gotcha okay all right yeah see it's a thing oh you're right hello everybody welcome to true crime banter you thought i was gonna gonna do it that mic is blocking your face in the picture i don't like that you're you're too pretty (laughs) just in general and also for your face to be blocked (laughs) but (laughs) hello everyone (laughs) Welcome to True Crime Banter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm like seven drinks in, but I'm good. <laughs> and As I am always. about seven sips into my first drink, so <laughs> this will be a fun one. <laughs> uh, today, I want to start off, and I think I want to start every episode off uh, with some comments from the listeners, and not just any random comments, maybe random ones. Okay. But uh, today, and I'm going to make it easy for everybody listening, if they want their like comment read, we're going to try to keep a consistent theme going on. So, on the last episode we did, the Anne-Marie Anastasi, you posted some photos of her on her Instagram. Yeah. And immediately, we got some comments on the <laughs> yeah. photos. She's a striking woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, uh, check us out at True Crime Banter. But I've got... A couple comments pulled up here. Uh, two of them, one from Rosemary Elizabeth Griffin, and then a second one from the boss lady, I, I, I. And both of them, I'm bringing both of them up at the same time because I think they had very, very similar uh, responses to your the photos that you posted for Anne Marie Anastasi. And Rosemary Elizabeth Griffin said, This is the first thing on my feed nightmare fuel right here (laughs) nightmare fuel that's what we aim for and then the boss lady said holy shit first pick on the home feed she's what nightmares are made of and then a red flag emoji so yeah i guess we are getting a theme nightmares like people are saying nightmare fuel and and i think that's what nightmares are made of spot on because uh the first photo you photo the first photo you (laughs) posted of Anne marie was nightmare inspiring yeah. So shout out to uh, Rosemary Elizabeth Griffin and the boss lady. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> yes. I think that's how it goes. Well, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and get into today's bit of banter. Bit of banter. A bit of banter. Uh, so I had something I was going to talk about before this, and I briefly brought it up with you. Mm-hmm. And you were like, we're not talking about that. Nope. So we're not going to talk about that. Yep. <laughs> but... Uh, it's one of those TMI things, everybody. Just yeah. trust me, you would thank me. So Yeah, anyway. it uh, has nothing to do with anything that you guys probably care about. So <laughs> so now we pivot and we think of something now else. Now we pivot to mm-hmm. Jeffrey Bezos. 
Okay. Mr. Amazon have, himself. Listen, we have not gone over this, so I don't know what he's about to say. So <laughs> no, I'm not nothing, your guys nothing side too right crazy. Uh, but word on the street is that Amazon is closing all of their brick and mortar stores and all of their bookstores that are okay. still left, which you know is what it is. Whatever, it makes sense. But I thought it was interesting because uh, Amazon started out as a bookstore for the most part. Okay. That's kind of how they got their jump start. And here we are, what, almost 20 years later, and they are now closing Did all of their... Did it say why? Uh, no. Honestly, oh. this was something I heard like 10 minutes ago. They probably just don't get a lot of foot traffic, I'm guessing. Well, yeah. It's no, very much. So, they're yeah, space. they're closing, closing, closing uh, all of their bookstores. I think, I mean, Barnes & Noble is like the only one I can really think of other than like local bookstores. Yeah, um, no, that's true. Yeah, there's not even, a lot of them even left. when I'm in Barnes and Nobles, which is oh yeah, there's like five people total, of four of yeah, them being really not that many employees. People. It's really closer to the like holiday season when people start true. buying books yeah. and gifts and stuff. I just thought that was interesting. interesting. Yeah, hmm. and they're also apparently closing all of their. And I just weirdly, I just found out about these stores, the four star Amazon stores. Oh right, because I, I had, walked by one. one yeah, time. there's one right next to my work, and. I was like, what is that place? So I kind of looked it up. And basically, they they sell the most popular, like, highly rated stuff in store. They're closing all of those, too. So, I figures. Wish they, I wish they had, like, a clothes version. Because there's always... I always see advertisements for, like, women's clothing that's really popular. That's On got, Amazon? Like, really good. Yeah. Like, okay. people are like, oh, I love the... Like, it's a super simple set, joggers kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, sweatshirts, yeah, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um, I wish they had, like... I think they would make so much money if they had like a female clothing Amazon store. If they had that at Amazon prices, almost like a TJ Mask, Mask, Max kind of thing, you know? Okay. I think they would make so much money. Is it Amazon branded stuff too? Like Amazon branded clothing or like? I mean, you buy it on Amazon. Is anything from Amazon Amazon no, branded? No, no, no. Right. You know what I no. mean? True. Yeah. That's it's true. Like Even at the Amazon Chinese four star stores. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway. maybe you and Ooh. I, we can uh, start buying out all these Amazon clothes. <laughs> And open our own boutique. I mean, like anything else, it's going to be fueled by cash, money, all that true, stuff. You know true. what I mean? Like, they're just not making money and, off and of how, that. And how, uh, oh, how the turntables of, of it is. <laughs> yes, that oh, how the turntables. Amazon pretty much put out of business all of these, like, uh, mom and pop shops, yeah. uh, shops the, yeah. the old school, like, brick and mortar. And, and here they are having to do it themselves. And I'm sure it has to do mostly with I was going to say, they're the cost. ones doing it to themselves exactly. versus yeah. Amazon doing yeah. it to other Must people. Must be nice, Jeffrey. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, Jeffrey. You, uh, you're going to be taking the lead on this one. I am. I don't love doing that because I, you know, I kind of like being the sidekick and oh, hearing okay. stuff yeah, and I'm sure. drinking and not caring and not oh. having to be responsible. But... Well, at least you can still drink and not care. True. <laughs> but True. you are going to have to do some, some talking okay. tonight. That's okay. And you don't... We discussed this a little bit ago, right? You don't know which one I'm doing really. No, I and honestly. Up, I said the name to you, but it didn't really ring a bell. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think uh, you and I are similar in the in the fact that names, we've listened to so many different cases throughout yeah. the past, you know, decade, it yeah. feels like that. Names don't pop out unless it was something crazy like Dennis Nielsen. Right, right. Which I bring up because you said this is similar to Dennis Nielsen. Yeah, it's got some overlap. But... Yeah, it didn't ring a bell to me, so I'm excited. Mm. Um, I'm not as intriguing as you are with the questions, so oh, I'm okay. just going to sit back, yeah. 
get crunk <laughs> like it's 2007 <laughs> and uh, let you take the lead. Okay. So this takes place in Aberdeen, Australia in the year 2000. It's just a normal day when policeman Scott Matthews gets a call from a man who said his employee, John Price, didn't show up to work where he worked at the at the mines. So when John didn't show up for work, his employer went to his house to check in on him, but he couldn't get an answer at the door, despite John's car being in the driveway. So Scott Matthews actually personally knew John. So Aberdeen was a really small town. So he knew him, so he decided, I'm going to go over and check on him. And he knew how weird it was for John to miss work because, like I said, he knew him personally and John was known in his group of friends and family to be a really hard worker, showed up on time every day. So he was like, okay, this is really weird. So him and Graham Furlonger, who was a sergeant at the time, headed over to do a welfare check at John's home. So when they arrived, they went to knock on his front door and immediately they noticed blood on the door jam. So obviously... Not a good sign. Well, you know, sometimes. <laughs> you just didn't <laughs> you ever clean just it like, up or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Graham decided to peek through the slot where they put the mail, right? He's like, okay, let me see if I can see anything. I'm assuming the door was locked then. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all he could make out in the dark was what looked like, quote, a bunched up curtain hanging down from the ceiling. So they couldn't get a response. Of course, they're knocking and they're yelling and whatever. So they decided to try around the back where they were able to get the door open. They were able to like bust it down. Okay. So upon entering, they were met with what they saw hanging when they had been at the front door. Because now they're on the opposite side of the hallway. So as the officer tried to make his way past the curtain, keep in mind it's still very dark, he used his left arm to push it aside and immediately... He felt a coldness touch him. He looked down at his arm and he saw blood, which startled him because he thought he had injured himself trying to get into the door. Because like I said, they had to bust it down. So when they stepped back, they realized that what they thought was a curtain was actually a human pelt. A human pelt. So when I read that, I was like, you know what? I feel like the word pelt isn't used that often. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, if anybody out there doesn't know what pelt is, if you can like search it really quick, but also I'm visualizing like the, an Aspen, a cabin in Aspen, Colorado Yeah. of a bear on the ground. That's pretty much exactly. And that's pretty much what I was going to say. Like as an example, if you ever go anywhere, (sighs) Aspen, (laughs) it's a little less luxurious and it's a, yeah. But, yeah, if you ever go anywhere and there's, like, a prize, some kind of animal yeah. or something, and there's, like, its fur, usually you will find it kind of sprawled out because it has been cut, obviously, after the animal has been shot, hunted down, whatever. Right. They will keep the fur. And then and they turn will it cut into it in a, a way, carpet. Kind of, basically. Yeah, they'll cut no. it in a way that almost looks like the whole thing. Yes. So it's not just the front or the back. It's, like, the whole thing. Yeah. So that's basically what they found, but a human a version. human pelt. Yes. So as they realized what they were looking at, they had to, like, compose themselves. Yeah, and they, I would too. <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't see this every day. And I saw everywhere, every article, that the people that worked on this case, still today, 
are haunted by this, as you would be 20-something yeah, years later. Yeah, you're not going to forget that. No. And you can tell, like, in the documentaries and these videos that there's just something in their eyeballs that they're just like, this was just the worst day of my life kind of thing. And, of course, that. people like us, years after the fact, are like, that's so interesting. But being the person to be there with the smells that and the sights, to touch it, to, like, yeah, it's got to be so freaky. So as they look past this hanging pelt, they saw the actual torso of a man on the ground. Oh, it didn't God. have its head, and it didn't have its genitals. So, of course, by now, the severity of the situation has hit these two. But obviously, they have a job to do. So they gather right. themselves once again and continue the search in the home. At this point, they draw their guns because they don't know what in the world is in this house. They don't know what did this to this guy. They don't know who this is. This might not even be John. They were there right. to do a welfare yeah. check, right? It could have right? been John that did it to this yeah, person. Yeah, you just don't know. So they obviously draw their guns and they're like, okay, now that they know that something happened, now we have to find what, who did this, what or who did this to them. Because this just looks like a hot mess. I'm going to guess it's not a, it, it's a person that did this. Not, not an a, alien. Not a vulture. Hey, that's a, this, that's a different podcast <laughs> where we talk about all kinds of True. things. Okay. True so, crime yes. conspiracies. They slowly made their way through the house and they entered the kitchen where they found just blood everywhere. Blood smears on the walls, blood spatter, but also signs of like kind of a typical day, maybe a typical evening where it looked like somebody had been making dinner, but then had okay. been interrupted. So they found two plates set up with vegetables, meat, and potatoes. So as they took in these details, they continued their walk. Obviously not very concerned with freaking dinner since there's a headless right. dude in the kitchen. So they slowly make their way upstairs where they hear what sounds like snoring coming from one of the bedrooms. Okay. So upon entering, they found a woman passed out on the bed snoring and she was not able to be woken. So they're shaking her and they're trying to get her attention and nothing's happening. Hmm. But she's alive. They can hear her breathing heavily. So officers pick her up and carry her outside to lay on the lawn. Maybe get some fresh air, see if that'll do anything. They don't know how long she's been there. They don't know what happened to her. But looking at her, she didn't appear to be injured, um, but she did appear to be drugged or under the influence of something. Okay. So after finding a ton of pill bottles inside, they called for an ambulance um, for the woman who we now know as 49-year-old Catherine Knight, the longtime partner of John Price. Okay. And by long time. So they've been dating then. Yep. All right. Yep. And for so, about five years at this point. I'm I'm assuming already this is John's body, but yeah. maybe we'll. As you would, yeah. right? Because it's and his home. And now we have uh, Catherine drugged. What looks, sounds to me like it's attempted suicide. Okay, detective. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's what I would have said too, right? I mean, some things which, really are just as simple as yeah. they seem. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, backtracking a little bit, the yeah. whole trying to wake her up and they can't wake her up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this works for somebody that's like heavily drugged, but if people or anybody comes across somebody that is having, looks like they might have been drugged or some issue, mm -hmm. issue with them, um, I've heard like, like taking a needle into their the, under their fingernail oh no no I no, hear, no though that no. because that pain is so sensitive oh under that 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 immediately <laughs> awakes people so if I, i'm just saying I'm that because just there are yeah is. there are uh oh my god actually i heard it on a true crime show that that's what they had to use oh. for a girl that was uh 
date raped, unfortunately. Oh my the God. only way they could get her to wake up, or they attempted by doing this like right. four times, and eventually it worked. Oh my God. So, yeah. Um, I feel like if you do anything extreme four times, it's probably going to work. Like, that just sounds like yeah. some something from like Saw or something. Well, these people dragged this girl out Ugh. into the front, front lawn, so. Yeah, that's. I'm talking oh about God. Catherine. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah that just sounds fucking awful. Okay. Anyway, so. A little bit about John before we get into this. Um, John was described as someone who loved to have a good time. Um, as if you listen to our episode on, I think it was, um, oh my gosh, the husband Todd. I'm okay, sorry. Katrina. Katrina. Yeah. Katrina Smith, right? Okay, that episode we talked about Love Island, that show, right? So on that show, something they say when there's like like a man's man comes in, he's a blokey bloke okay he's a blokey yep, yep, yep. so that's kind of what john that's was. like saying he's a man's man yeah yeah he's, he's... like a blokey bloke right okay, okay. so right. he loved to drink and swear and hang out with the mates <laughs> like all that's right. kind of all what right. he was so when he meets Catherine, she fits in really well because she's kind of the same but it said that john is one of those people that doesn't matter what he did the night before how messed up he got he is there first thing at in the work. morning at work he okay. took his job very serious and he was very dependable which is why when he didn't show up it was weird everyone took it serious yeah how how often do we hear situations like this where it's like if this was just a normal person that was missing work randomly no maybe not hmm. but you know it's just like it's always these people that yeah they were always at work every yeah. day so but i mean that kind of ends up working in their favor right because then attention no gets definitely a lot exactly quicker. yeah versus somebody who's a little sketchy well it's kind of when you hear about people who have left home or are runaways before and then they don't come home for a couple days there's no attention drawn yeah, to it but then by then it's too late yeah yeah because yeah that's what i'm yeah. saying so it's, it's really interesting there's a lot of stories like this where uh if they were just your your average run-of-the-day person maybe you know they would have been behind the eight ball just a little bit more mm -hmm. to where they wouldn't be found or right or discovered i suppose yeah so Catherine had john Catherine and john had gotten together about five years earlier you and i were kind of talking about this a little bit ago where they i told you they'd been together about five years at this point in okay. 2000 so about 1995 is when they met and john had been married once before and Catherine had come from a string of failed relationships i think she had been married once and then had like three or four like quote-unquote serious relationships um where she was just dating the one person and then it just like just did not end well it was always toxic and you said they're in their, their 40s at this point 49 or something like that. she was 49 i can't okay. remember how old john was i'm so sorry oh no that's okay I can i'm look just trying that up. to visualize but it. i'm i know they were in the same age group so um so yeah so like i said when Catherine came along and they met up together they fit in really well like she was also kind of a blokey bloke like she was if you look at her you can see she's kind of tomboyish or yeah plain jane didn't really wear too much makeup she um didn't have a problem hanging out with the loud tough crowd she was always swearing to she loved hanging out in the pubs kind of the same thing where you work hard you go to work right and then you play hard after and you, you right, might be up right. all night with your friends whatever it seems like in the documentary that I watched, they had interviewed the guy who owned the main pub because the Aberdeen was so small, there was only two pubs. So there was the top and the bottom pub. That's what the name was. So Simple top enough. pub, bottom pub, right. And they hung out of both. Um, but the group that she ran in was known for like arguments and fights breaking out. And they were regulars. And 
But it's kind of like it always subsided. It was just it was what it was. Wherever they went, it was loud. And I mean, yeah. But I'm that's probably half of his clientele. So you yeah. can't really kick him out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so after they got together, it wasn't too long until cracks started to form. And John saw a different side of Catherine that was not too pretty. Oh boy. She was known to be super aggressive, highly strung, extremely confrontational, and just loved to pick fights about anything. Um. She was known to also be extremely physically violent as well. Um, she wasn't a small woman, um, okay. but she definitely like went to violence pretty quick. So short she temper, had short fuse. Yeah. So she gotcha. and it, a lot of it was stuff that she kind of made up herself. Like she started a lot of issues too. Not really I was gonna sure. say, do we know if it it is something where it is a short fuse, or is is that just the only way that she knows how to deal with anything? Right, because you think, know, it does. Is yeah. it arguments that eventually leads into right. violence? From or is what it I saw, it's to... everything. Like okay. it, everything set her off. She kind of made stuff up in her head to seem like it wasn't what it was, and that's the whole thing. I mean, we'll kind of get more into that. Yeah. But something that she, I guess, practiced or took pretty serious was payback. Like. If you did her wrong, she was going to do you wrong times a thousand. Like, it doesn't matter. Okay. She's not going to take the time to find out if it was an accident or work through it. She was like, I'm getting back at you. Like, it doesn't matter what it was. So as an example, um, in the documentary that I watched, one of John's friends said he didn't know if it was um, if John tried to leave her or if John had stayed out too late. It was one of the two because they kind of had a back and forth relationship. Yeah. But it was either one of those. And in order to get back at him, Catherine had took a camcorder, which we'll find out. She, like, really loved this camcorder. Like, she used it for everything. So she took the camcorder and recorded a first aid kit that John had and then sent it to his boss because she thought he had stolen it from work. So she wanted to get him in trouble. Oh, So she sent his boss this stolen first aid kit, right? Weird. So John's work took this stuff like really serious and fired him. Oh, so this shit. was her getting back at him. So luckily, okay, I know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know, right? So luckily in this situation, John was able to prove that it had been expired. This first aid kit was expired, which is why he had taken it home because he knew it was just going to get tossed out. Oh, okay. All right. So he took it home. But this just shows. But still. Exactly. But the, but his boss didn't know that. He just yeah. saw yeah, yeah, yeah. that he had stolen it. So did they hire him back then? Yes. Okay. So luckily he got his job back. So after this incident, John had managed to stay away from her for about three months. So this whole time it's been toxic back and forth, whatever. They have these weird fights. She does shit like this where she gets him fired or whatever. And all of his friends and family are like, dude, you need to stay away uh, from her. She's I was gonna say, psychotic. I, as much as I love you, if you <laughs> decided to like send in weird photos to like our my boss. And, no, that's weird. Like, yeah, I'm gone. Yeah, but also you don't got to be gone. I'll just be gone. Yeah, but also in this, in our situation, of course, that's way different. It would have been out of the blue for him. She's been doing just this stuff the run whole the time. Mill, try to get me fired. Okay. Yeah, so he likes been, the thrill of almost losing his job. It's been this kind of stuff this whole time where she does crazy off the wall stuff like this. But I don't know if this is. I know this isn't talked about enough. Where the cycle of abuse. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so Both. manipulative and it's mental and emotional, but it's not always talked about from the male perspective, right. which is what's obviously happening in this case. Interesting enough, I just saw a quick uh, like YouTube short on something similar to that where 
a guy was searching on his phone, um, my boyfriend hits me or something, and the Google search uh, immediately comes up with like the abuse hotline number. But then when he Googles, or no, no, no I'm sorry. When he, he searches, my boyfriend hits me, it comes up with the hotline number to call for abuse. But when he searches, my girlfriend just hit me or something, it doesn't, it just, it's like a, um, like a Google questions answer. Like, what should I do when my girlfriend hits oh me? Not God. like a hotline number. So, so that's something to know. Yeah. That's something to know. I mean, hopefully someone hears that and does something about it. Yeah, I it mean, was, I thought it was like, you know, no, it is something. actually really good to know. Yeah. I wonder if like you, you could probably write in about that or something. Well, I mean, I saw it on YouTube, so. There's got to be something. Google knows. We'll about go it. back to that because that's going to irritate me. I'll write something. Okay. Anyway, okay. so, um, like I said, they end up back together after about three months against the advice of everybody in his whole life. He's all his friends are like, you can't bring her around the bar anymore. Like we don't want to see her or whatever. So now he has to drink at the other bar with her. He's embarrassed. He, but this the, is the bottom the whole, bar or the top bar. I don't know. Whatever one he's at, he's going to the other one now. So anyway, so after a little bit of time goes by, John decides he needs to end this once and for all. I'm sure they probably had another kind of fight. She freaked out, did something crazy. And he's like, okay, now this is the last straw, right? Which if I, I mean, I have listened to so many things about this kind of stuff, toxic relationships, whatever it is. And something I hear from experts on these podcasts and even just people like us quoting experts is that right before the victim of an abusive relationship is going to leave is the most dangerous time. Okay. So that is usually when the person ends up being physically assaulted or killed. Something escalates to that point where Which, yeah, the it, perpetrator is about to lose control and they do something crazy. Which makes sense, yeah. you know, because that is the, the, uh, I guess not climax of the no, uh, that's relationship, exactly what it but is. But that is right. where, yeah, the the most impactful thing is mm-hmm. going to happen. It's going to end, and yep. so that that makes sense. Yeah. So at this point, he's just like scared because she's so mentally unstable, and um, he has started a habit. At this point, he has started a habit of calling his friends after they have a fight or a confrontation because he wants a witness to what's been going on he calls them and he's like hey just so you know she chased me down the road or she put me she pinned me against the wall with a knife or like something crazy right, which is great because now yeah there's multiple people know about this yeah because some people especially i feel like a guy might be a little bit embarrassed that his girlfriend is yeah but when it gets to a certain point it's like, right but you know. right what i'm saying is just in general i just don't think you hear about that a lot is guys kind of being like, hey, just so you know, calling their dude friends, being yeah, like, just yeah, so you yeah. know. Especially when you're a blokey bloke. <laughs> right. I mean, kind of. I mean, yeah. yeah. Kind of goes we to show We can joke how... about that phrase, but no, like but a that, manly yeah. man. It goes to show how uh, um, intense this relationship is getting at that Yeah. Point. So finally, one day he called the cops and he wanted her out of his house because... She has her own house not too far away, but she stays at his house all the time. So he called the cops and he's like, you guys need to get her out of my home. She's psycho. She's scaring me. I don't know what she's going to do at any point during the day. And because she lived there so often or stayed over so often, the cops said that uh, he needed a court order, even though it was his house. 
So he was kind of in this weird limbo where he couldn't really do anything about it. Obviously, our rules are different here in the States where if you don't own the home, then you can be you can go. Right. So at this point, he was really frustrated that nothing was being done um, and also extremely scared of her, too, because he didn't know what she was going to do next. So this whole time, Catherine is calling the cops a ton, trying to blame John for all of the things that are happening stating that he's abusive and he's the one who's trying to like manipulate her and right exactly which typical abuser so even though there was no evidence or anything like that every time it was dismissed and sometimes that happens and i've heard of that too where sometimes the abuser will try to and and the one who's being abused too the victim will also when it comes to a certain point where things get serious where you want to press charges they're like no never mind they don't want to do any harm to their abuser because they've been so brainwashed they don't want to you know what i mean yeah they almost think that it's almost over anyway to where um i'm just going to be able to escape it and it'll be done and over with right yep or they don't want to create too like more chaos well it reminds me of um uh on coincidentally on how i met your mother uh there was the graduation goggles where once you you, you think you hate your high, high school days your high school years oh, and then as soon as you're getting ready to graduate this. that's okay I, I, I'll, I'll explain to you <laughs> of course because you remember every episode <laughs> yeah. so well but as, as soon as you uh you're getting ready to graduate um you you realize you know what these these last few years weren't so bad and, and then it's similar instances when you're in a relationship you don't want to be in where you're like you know what i think i'm gonna call oh. it off and then you're like you look back and you're like oh man but what about all the good times we've is had this together? the one where robin's dating scooby Scooter. or whatever or Scooter. Scooter. nope you're right is it scooby? Scooby? It's scooby okay yeah, yeah yeah um and then yeah so yeah, yeah. i could see go check that episode out guys yeah for sure just check whatever the whole episode show out, whatever yeah uh, no, I get it though. Like where he's getting ready to, um, yeah. Kind of when right things, before you leave, you think, well, maybe it's not, it's that, not bad. that bad. Right. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So this kind of leads us to a night when he really got scared. So one night John woke to find Catherine standing over him, watching him as he slept at the foot of the bed. Totally, okay. totally normal. As per usual. Right. And her hands were behind her back. So he managed to get past her and run to a friend's house nearby, but he was scared shitless. He was convinced she had a knife behind her, uh, behind her back. But okay, I was gonna ask, did do we know what he was? He found out that she didn't. There? He found out that she didn't. I guess there was a mirror that was behind her when she was standing, and he didn't see anything. Like okay. when he was running by, I guess he found out there was nothing there. I don't know, but obviously. If you wake up to find your spouse staring at you, I mean, if it was you, I would have some questions, but I wouldn't think you're trying to kill me. Right. So, but obviously her track record and their whole thing is he's yeah, already scared. There's your sign. If you if you wake up <laughs> right? and they're staring at you right. and you're thinking. And your first thought is they're going to murder me. Yep. Of course. Yeah. Probably and you run to your friend's house. Yeah. So even with this incident, he continued contact with her against the police's advice anybody in law enforcement was like dude you gotta stop his Mm -hmm. friends and family were like you can't do this anymore this is we're sick of hearing this i mean i've had friends like that too where i'm like i can't hear about this anymore like you're making the same stupid choices i'm so sorry but only so long can i exactly but now the cops are telling you this too you know time to get some real right advice 
So in a sad case of foreshadowing, John goes to work one day and confides in his boss that he's deathly afraid of Catherine. His boss and co-worker said that they had never seen him like this in all the years that they had worked with him. And he told his boss that Catherine was going to kill him. It was only a matter of time. So the day before his death, actually, John went to court to get the equivalent of a restraining order because um, she had not actually harmed him. The courts didn't pursue the matter, Okay. which, of course, frustrated and frightened him. In a sad and eerie twist of fate, John told his friends the night before his death, if you wake up and see my van outside in the morning, call the cops. She's done me in. So this now brings us back to the morning of the gruesome discovery. Obviously, if you guys couldn't tell, the victim, of course, is John Price. Right. So at this time, Catherine Knight is being held in the hospital while she recovers from what we find out is a drug overdose. So you were right. She did try to take her own life when they found her. Um, She's also being held under the suspicion of murder as well. So now this kind of gets us into the investigation. So, of course, they find him, they find her, but you still have to do all the work to find out what actually happened. Right. You yeah. can find all the blood and you can find the skin and you can find all this stuff, but you still don't know how it happened, why it happened, why? all this yeah. stuff. So this gives the cops time when she's in the hospital to start their investigation into what actually happened. So analyzing the blood smears and the trails throughout the home, they actually find spatter on the walls, smears on the light switch, fingerprints and blood and items all over the ground. And they were able to piece together that it had started in the bedroom, so most likely when he was asleep. Which I thought about this when I was... So there's a documentary. I'll find it after this in case you guys want to go watch it. But um, they were saying that it started when he was asleep. And I'm just thinking, like, do you have a lock on the door? Like, if you're scared of this woman, you're going to bed. Yeah, well, I mean... Like, I would pile stuff up in front of the door or, like, I don't know. That just begs a question, though. Like, were they still together at the time of this So it seems so. I mean, I didn't see anything, you know. I mean, he had gotten a restraining order, but it wasn't working. You would think he would have changed the locks or something, but this cycle of abuse where she keeps coming back, it's very easy to think that he let her back in that night. It was like, well, let's work on it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's... Uh, but if you're scared of her, it seems like you are most vulnerable when you're sleeping. If if anything, at any point, I would take the most precaution yeah, no, at everything. night. Yeah, you, now, granted, a little uh, insight into us as a couple. Um, you're the most cautious person in the world when it comes to going to bed. Yes. Like, I'm like, I'm ready to fall asleep whenever. I don't right. care. You are like... When we sleep, I want you closer to the door. So if a murderer comes in, you can defend me first. Yeah, or you can and get you're stabbed like, first. Yeah, it's not. Exactly. I don't know if you'll be able to defend me. You'll probably still True. be asleep when yeah. you get stabbed, but you will be the first victim. Yeah, and, and you're I will like, have it, time make to sure get all away. the doors are locked. Obviously, that makes sense. But I mean, we. we I mean, you know, check I, them three or four times. That'd yeah. be great. Check the windows. Yeah. Make sure. Yeah, and so uh, you're also so you are thinking in that mindset of yeah, you know, if I'm. Uh, you're trying to be as cautious or as and safe as possible. And we live in a safe neighborhood, and we have a dog, <laughs> and there's other people in the home, and I'm still like that. So yep. in this case, maybe this guy's thinking, I'm I'm a blokey bloke. <laughs> I'm well, like yeah. a big, strong guy. I mean, if she tries to attack me, I'll be fine. I'll, you know. Yeah. But and, 
So they don't know if if she did try to break in or something, if she was over that night. I don't think so. I mean, it sounds like they were having dinner, possibly. So Because of the plates on the dinner Okay, we'll get into that, but really really quick, hold on. So when I'm watching this documentary, there's... When when I write the script like this, I don't put every single thing in there. Right. Yeah. But yeah. one of the things that I did leave out was that when they were over that night, they did have sex. Oh. Okay. So they did recover semen on a nightgown that she was wearing. So they think that was part of her plan. Was Seduce when they him, came try over. To make everything yeah, better. maybe Let's relaxed yeah, kind yeah. of kind of thing because yeah. we find out later this was definitely planned. So okay. she, they probably had some intimate night. Whatever they hung out. So. Like I said, they found semen on her nightgown. They definitely had sex that night. Okay. Um, that was also something that was said, too, is that they had a sexual relationship. And if anything, that was the only normal part of their whole thing was that gotcha. that's what kind of kept them together. Well, he's a blokey bloke. <laughs> and if you want to get into the bedroom, you gotta... Okay. Anyway, so like I said, they surmised that this started in the bedroom because okay. the blood patterns did appear smaller there. So that's where they think he was initially attacked. And then when he tried to flee, he had attempted to turn the lights. And that's where they found a bunch of blood smear. So it was almost like a little trail. So they mm-hmm. were trying to kind of put together a story with this as they're walking through the house. So they find the smears on the um, the light switch. And then as he kept running down the hallway, as he got towards the kitchen, these blood patterns appeared bigger. And they also appeared to be going down. So obviously he's getting fatigued he's getting more injured as he's going along so he's like, getting closer to the ground like okay so you're saying down like a yeah yes. elevation so wise. they're right exactly okay. yeah so they think that he was being attacked the whole way down so they even find blood on the screen door leading outside showing that he almost made Trying it outside mm-hmm. so police are certain that he would have died anyways just due to the amount of blood that he had lost so that's still super sad to think that he almost escaped, but probably still wouldn't have lived anyways, which, I mean, that's still really sad. Even if he got outside, he wouldn't have made it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it is thinking it is. that if you found it almost on the door, it's like, oh, you know, you want to root yeah. for him. Like, oh, shit, he almost made it. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes it better, though. Like, not better. Right. You know, but it, it's not It's to me, it's not as sad knowing that it was going to kill him anyways. Yeah. Because... It's still really sad, though, because it's not a quick death. I mean, he's suffering no. this whole time. Yeah. He's getting stabbed more and more, and there's more blood. And, of course, the whole time, I'm sure he's just thinking, shit, I knew this was going to happen. Right. He had yeah, told yeah. people, and so they were able to find out that he was stabbed 37 times. So Peter, I don't want to say it, Masio, Masio, I'm not sure, but he's in forensics, and he had the terrible task of examining all of John's remains and trying to find out exactly what happened to him so he surmised that john was fatally stabbed where they had found his body so where they had found him decapitated where they had found him skinned where that's because there was so much blood pulled underneath him and there wasn't anything leading away from him so there wasn't any dragging marks there wasn't right yep so which makes sense because they said that they found him when they came around the back right they had run into the skin curtain yep. that they had seen from the front. So he technically was kind of near the screen door when they came around the back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You can kind of imagine this like long hallway where the front door and the back door are on the opposite side of this hallway. Right. So he, he would have made been it more to the... towards 
You're saying the back door? The back, right, which is where, like, the kitchen was. Because when they came around back, they were greeted by the skin curtain, okay. which they had seen from the front down the hallway. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't know if you can imagine that, but... Um, so, like I said, where he laid is where he was decapitated, where he was skinned, and there was actually the um, the forensics guy, Peter, he said that where they had shown him being decapitated in the spot where he laid, they actually showed, you can see a trail of blood droplets leading from the head to, to the, the stove. Okay. So, they think that she carried the head by the hair leaving drops okay all the way to the stove just holding it in her hand just probably down by her side yeah making a little trail wow. all the way to the stove so that's where they found his head in the pot boiled with vegetables okay which is where i had told you dennis this kind of is like dennis nielsen right? right where this is the second case that i've chosen where there's been a pot a cooking pot that has With human remains contain human remains yes. i did not mean to purposely do that it just ended up like yes, that i was did. like no no i really didn't i was like oh okay noticing a pattern here huh so the examiners confirmed that john's gluteus maximus Okay. So that's his butt muscle for anybody who doesn't know what that is. Had been cut off and separated into five parts and baked in the oven and turned into quote unquote steaks, basically. So if you remember back to the discovery of the scene, you'll recall me mentioning dinner had been prepared. Yes. And John's butt muscle was actually the meat on the plates. Okay. So. If you didn't already put that together, everybody. Two plates. But one person dead. Yes. Another one eating that person. No, it hasn't. Nothing was consumed. Okay. Planning This, to. If anything, this was more of some weird fucked up art form I where am... she just wanted like a performance thing. Yeah. It really was for shock value. So in this case, nothing was consumed. Interesting. Yeah. That is just a lot of work to go through. If Now, it, that kind of makes sense though because like... I don't think, I mean, obviously, when you're somebody like even Dennis Nielsen, there's got to be the first victim. And if she was this type of person that was into, you know, cannibalism and eating humans, this is either the first time she's done it and she decided she didn't want to end up eating him. And she was like, nope, I'm not into this. Or kind of what you're talking about she's like i th i'm gonna make this something big and dramatic yeah i don't uh this is i'm gonna let you continue because <laughs> this is uh not where i was thinking this was gonna be going okay so well, that's good i guess i was i didn't want you to see it coming so inspecting the dinner plates full of food they find that the meals were actually untouched but they do find a name tag attached to each plate and both name tags belong to somebody that was related to john Okay. So they kind of, I mean, once again, something I didn't put in here, but like they had put together that she really just wanted a shock value. It's really, she was toxic and okay. she knew that his family hated her and they just think that they didn't say who it was. They didn't say who the family members were. But I don't know if he had members. kids. Yeah. I don't know if it was his sister, his parents. I don't know. But it could have just been like, here, fuck you. These are for you. Here's John for you. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of thing. 
I know it's fucked up, but that's kind of what they think that it was for. Which, I guess, that, again, makes even more sense. If, if it's untouched, she's just, she's fucking crazy is yeah, what it sounds right. like. Right. I mean, if we didn't already know that, we just didn't, no one ever knew it would go to this Yeah, extreme. no, I mean, there's a diff- There there is levels of crazy, and yeah. one, if you're going to kill somebody, you're psycho. Right. But if you're going to take these next hours of cooking them up and skinning them into a skin yeah. curtain, right. then you're next level psycho. Right. So despite having so much overwhelming evidence, the team of investigators still had the huge task of processing everything, um, trying to find fingerprints. Then they have to be thorough to make sure that there aren't any unknown prints in blood or foreign hairs or anything because when they get to court, that's something that the defense team can make. Well, there was somebody else there or, you know, so... The, you can't have anything that could lead you to think or show that it could have been anyone other than Catherine. So yeah, the forensics yeah, yeah. team had to, even in 2000, had to get anything they could. So speaking of Catherine, at this point, Detective John Wells finally gets the chance to interview her about five days after the murder. She's finally feeling well enough. The doctors have been like, okay, she's fine now. So Catherine maintained that she didn't remember anything at all, but she did confess that she was the one that killed him. Interesting. So, right. um, I'm assuming she's still in the hospital at this point. No, she actually was down at the police station. Oh, okay. So five days in right. in care, in critical care. I mean, yeah. she almost died. So I guess she feels okay at this point. Yeah, because I was gonna ask if she was at the hospital. Obviously, I feel like uh, if you're being, you know, evaluated, or I'm assuming under. Uh, medical care maybe with medication in you to help you get better it'd be a little sketchy as an investigator to be trying to get answers out of someone in that condition oh, but if right. she is no she had to be cleared by doctor yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, she's okay all right yeah. well sounds right. cool to me i mean she <laughs> so, did it right so um she stated that she did do it due to violence that she had experienced from past partners and also, she basically blamed John as well, saying he was abusive. Okay. So she said she doesn't remember anything, but she did do it, and she did it because John basically pushed her. So it's almost sounding to me, it's almost making more sense because they say that. Because uh, we, we've talked about overkill in the past, mm-hmm. like overkill killers. And if she is just mad at John for something he's done, like maybe she wouldn't go as far just to to do this to him maybe she would just kill him and call it good right but if this is something that she's relating to past relationships so all of this anger and all of this um i guess frustration towards all of her partners she's taking it all out on one guy now yeah so she's going way overboard then i think even if it was just one abusive partner uh you would probably do so yeah it's starting to make more sense a little bit but Again, it well, doesn't make any sense at all to cook someone up. I mean, it's good timing that you said that because they actually interviewed her past partners to kind of get a feel gotcha. for like how she was with them too. And maybe she wasn't always as crazy. And what did they say? Well, it just confirmed their beliefs that Catherine was actually the aggressor this entire time. So it wasn't so just John. Okay. Yeah, so she's so psycho with all of them. I everything I just said. So I <laughs> her past three relationships um, had all had incidents of extreme violence, including one being stabbed, one being hit on the head with a frying pan, and the worst one, killing her boyfriend's puppy in revenge. Okay. Yeah. 
So I'm not going to get into how she killed the dog and everything, but I wish they had gave me a warning on this documentary because I would have fast forwarded it. Did they? Like, that is signs. (laughs) No, of course. That's a sign. Yeah, no, of course. Fucking So I don't want to, like, get too into this, but, like, this is rural, rural Australia. Okay. There's no really, like, hey, let's get mental health help or... Yeah, yeah. It's, first of all, it's 2000, the year 2000, which is still better than like 1970s or something. Yeah. But still, you're in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. This you, place is so little. Even going back to Dennis Nielsen, though, in the 70s and early 80s, yeah. there, are, there are signs as a child um, that that things weren't right with him. Yeah. And you always hear about this, how, how many serial killers have tendencies of killing animals as children and basically showing no yeah, emotion she was a grown up when that but happened. that's what i'm saying if she's doing it as a grown-up like that should be hey hey mr policeman this i mean did did the boyfriend of the puppy you know i'm not sure at all like, i'm really not sure i it didn't go really go into right that. i i don't it said that she had a really hard time really... finding people to date. She actually had to date people from outside Aberdeen because everyone in Aberdeen knew, knew about, about her, her. That she was fucking psycho. Well, <laughs> they weren't wrong. I know, right? Exactly. So something else that comes out about her that she actually worked as a like a farmhand almost, and she worked there for a while. Eventually, working her way up to the meat packaging plant and honing her skills as a butcher. So it said that she's really good with a knife, which totally makes sense knowing what we know now. So not only was she good at it, but apparently she loved it, which became more apparent when searching her home after we they found John. They found tons of dead animals like taxidermy ton- everywhere. Like her home was filled with weird like glass jars full of dead animals. Like I said, taxidermy. They weren't like rotting yeah, animals, yeah, yeah. but still, still fucking weird. Yep. And... I mean, I've actually known a few, like, quote-unquote normal people that are into taxidermy, but this house was, like, dirty and full of weird, morbid art, and there gets a point where you're like, I have some questions, which only makes you think, like, did John ever go to her house? Did he ever see this? Did he ever have questions? You can also Mm -hmm. kind of write some of this off as being eccentric, too. Like, maybe she's just weird. She's just odd. I don't know. Yeah, and it it is... I'm trying to put myself into the, the... time of you know the early i mean it said also that her home was filled with shelves of horror movies and weird macabre movies and which that would i mean isn't totally weird if if we had that kind of stuff back then if there was such thing as that kind of stuff we would have now shelves full of dateline and forensic files because we're into that stuff and i don't think we're gonna murder anybody so you know, I'm gonna no comment on that. But <laughs> <laughs> my lawyer no, has told I me do, to plead no comment. That is, it's it is. Uh, you know, again, like you're talking about, I know of a few people that have um, like cabins full of taxidermist, yeah, stuff or taxidermy, and yeah, and it's like usually that's what it is. It's people who hunt or um, it's animals that they've actually shot themselves, yeah. at, in order almost right. to like honor the fact that that the life is gone that's what they do yeah it is weird uh but again if they're somebody that is eccentric or that is just the crazy lifestyle or interest that they have you can't exactly point to that and say that's something to look right look into 
Right. Which maybe people kind of maybe felt the same about her being crazy. They're just like, well, that's just her. Nobody ever thought she would murder anybody. Right. They're like, well, that's Catherine. Yeah, she's so crazy. She's weird she's and has dead animals at her house. But yeah. That's the extent right. of it. So after they started kind of getting this investigation and interrogating her about stuff, they find out a little bit more about what happened right before John actually got murdered. Okay. So she had actually gone to her daughter's house the evening before and given her camcorder to her daughter. So I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but like her camcorder was like the love of her life. Like she loved this thing. Right. So yeah, she would yeah. record weird stuff and just like, I don't know, like home videos of herself talking and stuff. And But she just like really loved it, especially... 2000 i mean well yeah i mean that, that somewhat is a technology yeah that's a, that's about the time where camcorders uh started becoming more affordable for yeah. the everyday person and, and so yeah being yeah. able to record your life i mean my dad had one for the entire time of me growing up yeah but there was a point where Shout it wasn't to ron ronnie b that's right yeah <laughs> there was a point though where um uh it, it became more accessible, kind of like cell phones and smartphones right now. For right. The, for the longest time, rich only people the had them in their car. The yeah, yeah, exactly. And now uh, everybody has an iPhone. Yeah. I mean, 12 year olds have iPhones. I like, know, seriously. Well, even younger. Yeah. So, anyway, so she had, like I said, gone to her daughter's house and almost given the camcorder almost like a last will and testament kind of thing. Like, this is what you get kind of thing. Yeah. And even her daughter was like, this is weird. Uh, yeah. What are you doing? Right. right. So, there's actually evidence that Catherine had left the home after she had murdered John. She actually, like, chilled there for a little bit, left, and she left at least once and returned her vehicle back to her house, which wasn't too far away. And then, using John's debit card, she withdrew... $500 two times. Um, and that money has still never been found. They don't know where that $1,000 went. They don't know if any if she gave it to anybody that never came forward, if she buried it or whatever. Hmm. And I know it's only $1,000, so you think, like, oh, whatever. But, like, why? Yeah, what was it for? Yeah, and especially if you, maybe at this point you didn't know you were going to kill yourself yet. I don't know. But yeah. if you knew you were going to off yourself, why did you take out money? It could and, be, again, one of those things where she was just trying to put on a show, and if she thought that she was going to be uh, caught or discovered, then yeah. maybe she wanted to make them really work for yeah. their answers. So when the day for court comes, despite admitting that she admitting, <laughs> admitting that she killed John, she enters a not guilty plea. But as the case proceeds, she seems to change her mind, and she actually asks to change it to guilty, but doesn't give a reason. So the judge wanted her to be examined by a psychiatrist because he wanted to make sure that she couldn't plead for, insanity, yeah. you know. And so he had multiple psychiatrists uh, examine her and they deemed her sane, but having a personality disorder, which okay. if I mean, I've listened to so many and things. I'm assuming now she and, had a lawyer at this point. Yes. I mean, throughout mm-hmm. the trial. Yep. So throughout the hearings, Catherine sat like pretty much emotionless. She didn't look at anybody, nothing. Until towards the end, when her true psycho showed and she started to act out on purpose, they said that she started screaming and shaking her body and yelling mm-hmm. and making her head like swivel in all directions. Linda Blair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it didn't work or gain any sympathy. People were just like, okay, you're psycho. And then she was sentenced to life in prison. Wow. So, but Catherine Knight is the first woman in all of Australia to be sentenced to life with no chance of parole. And that's where she is today. Okay. And the judge on her case stated that he didn't eat meat for a very long time after this one. Wow. 
I'm assuming that they were shown the the photos. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Throughout the trial, many of Obviously them. Many to... of the jurors had to run out, be sick. There had to be called recess a few times. Yeah. I mean, when you when you talk about how. Uh, and it wasn't um, until they. Sorry to interrupt you, oh, okay. but it wasn't until they started showing the walkthrough video of the crime scene is mm. when she started to do her little fake yeah. kind of thing. I think she wanted to distract from it and draw attention away from the video. She started doing yeah. the screaming thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that right there sounds like somebody who um, is a sociopath that yeah. is emotionless and, and doesn't have any true feelings about what they did or what happened until they're calculating when they should have those feelings. Right. And you can't really fake feelings like that. Yep. And so if you are, um, if you are, you know, having like a flashback moment where you're in a, a state of something that you did in the past and you're, you're freaking out about it, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to do, you know, uh, animations that, that people are like, what? What is she doing? Right. Like it would be more uh, convincing, I suppose, yeah. than what you described. Right. At least from what I'm visualizing, at least. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, she doesn't sound like the greatest uh, <laughs> lover. <laughs> <laughs> greatest anything, greatest yeah. mom, greatest human, anything. But she's currently incarcerated at the Clarence Correctional Center. So she's so. still alive. Yeah, which I looked up not too long before this because, like, wow, I yeah, probably be, figure what, out like if she's still alive. Almost seventy then by no, now. No, she would be if she was forty nine in two thousand. Then she'd be early seventies now, okay. seventy one, yeah, seventy two, yeah. somewhere in there. Nice. So yeah, interesting. I wonder has she said anything about the the case at all since? I um, didn't see anything. The last I looked up, I didn't see anything. Um, she still, I mean, claims her innocence. Yeah, that is something. I. I mean, hey, what she doesn't have anything that she could gain from, from being, you know, claiming guilty at this point. Right. I mean, you're you're in there for life. Uh, the only, I mean, there's not much else that she would gain from that. So I know. Weird. I weird. Know. And this really, it did uh, remind me of Dennis Nielsen a lot. The way you started uh, going into the detail. Now, mm-hmm. did she explain at all why she? skinned him and made the human pelt no remember she said that she doesn't remember anything like that she just knows that she did it she doesn't know why she, she did she just she did it she blamed the abuse and whatever but she never once talked about like anything of the meat of anything and i mean if you think about it that's kind of something that if she didn't come up with it on her own her lawyer would be like listen there's no way to to prove that you didn't do this like it had to have been you yeah but you don't have to plead to everything because if you have any any shot at all in court, right? Of, of you know, being not you can at least admit you did a, it. A lighter, yeah. Sentence. There might be yeah. some kind of chance, huh? It... I know. I don't know. That's weird. She's. I mean, weird. it's yeah. It's she's weird. <laughs> That's a word. Yeah, yeah she is weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I mean, yeah. yeah uh, all I've learned is when you've got a girlfriend. Or fiance, <laughs> or wife, for that matter, uh, and everybody in your life is telling you get the fuck away, yeah. including the police. <laughs> you need to get the fuck out of there. Like, like, yeah. And also, 
for all of you watching and listening, if you're in a relationship and for any reason, even if it was a dream that you think could have been real, <laughs> if you you wake up to your partner standing over your bed and you immediately think they're going to fucking kill you, you are in the wrong relationship. <laughs> True. I hate to, to bra- burst True. your bubble, but... Uh, I don't hate to burst your bubble. We might have just saved their life. So you're welcome. You're welcome, world. <laughs> well, thank you. I like... Yeah. That is... Oh. I know. I didn't I didn't know it was that graphic. I knew that she did some messed up stuff to his body. But yeah, once I got into it, I'm like, oh, this is a lot like a one that we yeah, just did not too long is... ago. I'm going to try and stay away from the cannibalism just for a little bit or like the whole like decapitating and cooking. And... Yeah. And case-wise, too. Like when you're <laughs> telling me these stories, you should stay away from that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, just because it's been done and we'll find something little bit funkier we'll mix it up we'll come back to this maybe in 10 more episodes i'll retouch on something like this good old Catherine. good old old cat (laughs) katarina knight (laughs) well uh i enjoyed that i hope everybody else enjoyed it uh how does your stomach feel (laughs) okay i'm a little hungry (laughs) that's normal (laughs) totally normal i never mind i'm I'm just yeah thank you thank you Uh, you you always say I always take it a step too far. Yep. I'm learning. And you almost just I'm did. I'm learning you how to yourself. catch myself in those mm-hmm. moments, and that was a moment. Four years later. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, thank you, thank mm-hmm. you for telling the story of Catherine yeah. Knight. Thanks for I hope, listening. Uh, everybody enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, if you did, make sure to <laughs> just wink at the camera. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If anyone wants to see Christian wink at the camera, uh, go on to YouTube, uh, hit the subscribe button because you know you love it. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at True Crime Banter. We just hit a thousand followers. Yeah, that's which, cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 enjoying this. Thing I don't we nobody rain on, on my parade because I'm pretty stoked about it. So. Yeah. If you have more than that, good for you. We'll catch up at some point, hopefully. Fuck off, mate. But yeah, just enjoy this small victory for now. That's so. right. And Thank this you. is a small victory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you guys enjoyed it uh, on Spotify, go ahead and give us a rating of five stars. Nothing less. Thank nothing you. Nothing more. Yep. Exactly five stars. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's, that's it. it for episode 11. That's a wrap. Hope you guys enjoyed it. My name is Riley. And I'm Christian. And we will talk to you in the next one. Take care.